Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to welcome you guys and gals out to another live broadcast with yours truly. Let me turn my light down. Kind of bright. Hope you guys and gals doing exceptionally well. If you're watching this live, do me a big favor and share this broadcast out to as many people as possible. If you're watching this and listening to this later, whether on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, uh, thank you guys and gals so much for listening and for watching. I pray this content is a blessing. Um, hey, Josh, you're great. Thank oh, thank you, Raw. We already got people coming in. So hope you guys and gals are doing exceptionally well. I'm excited about these lives. Gives me the opportunity to be able to answer you guys' questions. What's going on, y'all? Welcome, welcome. And for those who's used not used to these podcasts, um, the questions timestamps to be at the bottom of this video. So if you're watching this later, after the live is over, you can also get the timestamps so you can be able to see what questions was asked and all that good stuff. So what's going on, everybody? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, coach, you're doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad you're doing well. What's going on, Yana, Maria, Mariah, Jay, Miami in the building? Hey, coach, pray all is well. All is well. All is well. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? All right, first question. What does it take to be a godly man, prayer-wise, et cetera? Great question, fam. Great question, my brother. What does it take to be a godly man? You got to be a God-fearing man. In order to be a godly man, you have to be a God-fearing man. The Bible says the fear of God or the reverence of God is the beginning of all wisdom. <clears throat> a godly man is a wise man. The only way a man is wise is when he finds his wisdom in the one who is God. And in order to be a godly man, like I said before, you got to make sure that you reverence God. You got to make sure that every area of your life, you have a, a reverence for God and, and, a, and a habit of acknowledging God. <clears throat> That's what makes a man godly. A godly man is not a perfect man. A godly man is not uh, uh, um, defined by what modern day Christianity may define. A godly man is a man who fears God, whose heart is after God. A man who says, you know what, God, I messed up, but I'm glad you didn't. I, I, a godly man is a man who recognizes his position in God. A godly man knows that he's confident and his confidence in, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A godly man is a man that recognizes uh, um, that the all sin, not all sin, that sounds but the all, uh, all sin God, the one who knows everything is observing that one's life and, and his, his disposition with God is one of reverence where he, everywhere he walks, he knows God is with him. Not a God that's spying on him or a God that's looking to judge him, but a God who's saying, yo, I'm here to help you. One thing that I love about my relationship with God is that if I need him, I can ask help. If I need him, I know he's there. When I'm my weakest, I know he'll support me. So that's what makes a godly man. A godly man is a man who fears God, a man who references God, a man who honors God, a man who truly loves God. When those things <clears throat> are evident in your life, the, the, the lifestyle changes will match what your heart feels. Now, let's get to the second part of your question, which is was talking about prayer. Um. A godly man loves to talk to God. That's one thing I love. I love talking to God. I love speaking with him. I love, um, um, I'm engaged with him. I love to see the unique conversation, the unique dialogue, the unique ways that he communicates with me. So in order to build that, you got to look at him as a person. A God-fearing man, a godly man knows that God is a person, that God wants communion with you, that God wants to talk with you. And when you understand that, man, you will begin to remove any and everything that causes any kind of distance between you and God. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you cannot be separated from God. As a believer, you can't be separated, but you can be uh, distracted. You can, through distraction, there be a distance. Now, it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. So God is everywhere. God is, is in every 
area of our lives, but based upon our life decisions, based upon our choices, there will cause a, a wedge between you and God, maybe not through salvation because you will be an adopted son of God. But what I mean by that is if you keep practicing sin or you keep just being a procrastinator by nature, there's going to be some kind of disconnect. And, and it's not that God's love is disconnected from me. We're talking about his endorsement. We're talking about we're talking about his favor to a degree, because why would God give favor to a man who's going after his own way? Why would God endorse a man who's choosing to do what God hates? Now, so that right there will help, because when you know you need God, you will talk to him. So what does it take to be a godly man? What does it take? Good question. Number one, it takes dying to yourself. If any man desires to come after me, let him first deny himself take up his cross and follow me. If you endeavor to follow God, you got to die to yourself. You got to allow the, the, the divine work of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation inside of your heart to see that you need God. Revelation inside that you know that you cannot do this without him. Therefore, when that revelation has been set in, then you will begin to implement the routines that's, that, that's birthed from your understanding of your righteousness in God. Now, what is it going to take? Number one, you got to get rid you got to get rid of anything that's going to try to separate you from God. Anything that's going to separate you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Number two, you got to renew your mind of who you are as the righteous of God. And when you begin to renew your mind, renew your mind is a form of repentance. Repentance means, hey, God, I am fully aware I shouldn't be doing this. Number one, God, I know I can't stop doing this without you. So I need your help to help me not do this. And the way he does that is in renewing your mind. And when your mind realizes who you are as the righteous of God, man. Your reach, your, your, your endeavors, the work of God in your life will be great. So what does it take? You got to rid your life of everything that's going to try to separate you from God. Number two, you got to renew your mind. You got to say, you know what? Holy Spirit, renew my mind in the things that I know I should get rid of and the things that I don't know I should get rid of, but should get rid of. But I went <clears throat> six minutes on that. Um, Hope that helped. Jessica Reed says, hey, coach, how do you set boundaries with family? I have so much responsibility of helping to care for everyone. Jessica, you're no good to anyone if you're no good to yourself. You're no good to anyone if you're broken, burdened, uh, uh, weak, tired. So what you do, you got to find balance. So how do you set boundaries? You set boundaries based upon what's going to determine your boundaries. Listen, anything that takes anything that's uh, anything that's uh, taking your peace is too expensive. Anything that's affecting your peace is too expensive. You know where your balance is. You know when you feel like you are your best self, your most able self, your most energized self. And you got to really look inside of yourself and say, hey, what, what am I reaping for this? Listen, I only help people one or twofold. When the Bible tells me when you see certain things like widows and children or whatnot or, or those who are need, bam, you take care of them, right? But not, but let me, let me go all the way back. Everybody, your help of anyone has to be through the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life, point blank period. If the Holy Spirit says, man, you invest in too much relationship, it's okay to pull back. A person who doesn't understand why you should pull back or doesn't really care about why you should pull back for your, for your benefit, that person was a leech from the beginning. That person was using you from the beginning. Set boundaries and really see who cares about you. Set boundaries and see who's really been leeching off you. Set boundaries. Boundaries will let you know who really love you for you or respect you for what you need to do for you. Bound, setting boundaries means 
balance. I have to set boundaries according to what makes me feel balanced. If I'm burdened and the Holy Spirit is not telling me to do it and I'm burdened and I'm almost near to being broken down, you got to let some of those responsibilities go because some of these things that the family pulls on us, they need to pull them on. They need to pull them on selves up. You see what I'm saying? So, hey, coach, how do you set boundaries with family? Number one, you have a conversation with them. No, 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 no. Before number one, number one, you got to self-examine your own life. Look at yourself and say, yo, you know what? I am doing too much. I want you to self-examine and self, self-analyze everything that you have to do with your family. And I want you to say, I want you to write down a sheet of paper, um, um, too much of a burden, uh, able burden, or I could do more, right? Now, you list down everything that you do on a day-to-day. You write down how much energy is being taken away from helping this person. And nextly, I want you to write down, I want you to have a conversation with God, Holy Spirit, and, and why am I doing so much? Is there an insecurity there? Is there, I put too much validation in these individuals? Do Is it because I, I just feel like I got to help everybody? Holy Spirit, show me my heart first. When he begins to show you your heart, then you will begin to see your part in these people's lives. And then you will begin to see, yo, this is pulling too much on me. That's when you ask the Holy Spirit, open up the door for me to have a conversation with, with family member one, two, or three. To, to let them know that I'm able to help in these parameters. And then the Holy Spirit will let you know when you have that conversation, he'll show you who's who's really was leeching off of you and who will appreciate what you have done so far and keep it moving. Hope to help. What's going on, Corpus Christi? What's going on, uh, Kinchel? What's going on, Toussaint? Hi, coach. How are some examples of boundaries that you should set in any relationship? Good question. What are some of what are some examples of boundaries that you should set in any relationship? Biblical boundaries number one, beneficial boundaries number two. Biblical boundaries are beneficial boundaries anyway, but there could be some things that are that are permissible, um, but not beneficial. There may be things in the world that that may not may be gray, may not be really expressed in the Bible, but then it goes into benefit. It goes into like I shared with the young lady before. It goes and does this benefit me? Does this help me? Benefit doesn't mean selfish, but does it benefit us? Because sometimes if I overly help a person, me being tired is not going to be no use to the individual. So how do you set boundaries? Find the word of God. Look at the areas of your life and go to the word of God. Go to Google openbible.info and talk about uh, um, companionship or friendship. Type in uh, um, uh, the job or type in uh, community and church and begin to look up scriptures that will kind of give you instruction and give you wisdom on how to set parameters within your singleness, within your marriage, within your uh, uh, workplace, within just basic wisdom. Because one thing about your life is your life, and you have the right to set the boundaries that you need. Now, examples of boundaries, number one, the word of God says, man, we ain't doing none of this until we marry. You see what I'm saying? That's boundary number one. Boundary number two is I'm not going to eat or do anything or partake in anything that's going to damage my connection with God. It's going to damage me and my growth with God. Boundaries could be um, um, I know my triggers. I know, I know, I know um, what what I like. I know what I don't like, and 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 I know what I'm um uh, what temptations are tailored to me, and I build my boundaries accordingly. You got to know yourself. When you know yourself, you know exactly what boundaries to set in your life. Number one, boundaries for me as a married man, I cannot, I will not, I shall not be alone with the woman. 
with my wife not there. Number two, um, I mean, that's a lot of boundaries, but there's, but there's boundaries that come from the word of God. Don't let your good be spoken evil of. Uh, um, um, count the calls. There's a lot of different things you have to do to ensure your boundaries are set. Now, examples in any relationship, number one, biblical, number two, beneficial. Um, and, um, and that's pretty much it. And the Holy Spirit will help you with the nuances of those boundaries where you'll be able to establish, hey, when it comes to my singleness, here's my boundary. When it comes to friendships, here are my boundaries. When my friends talk about going here, they already know not to even ask me because my boundaries have been set. And the cool thing about uh, uh, your life is you can communicate those boundaries. Anytime you feel a person pressing up against the line, you can communicate those boundaries. And the cool thing about being secured in Christ and having a proper self-esteem is if a person continues to try to cross those boundaries, you can cut those jokers off. When, but you people, only those who are secure in Christ will sustain their boundaries. There's a big difference between setting boundaries and sustaining boundaries. Anybody can set boundaries, but it's your security in Christ that will determine if that boundary is sustained. There's a lot of people that says, I'm, I'm going to set this boundary of purity and I won't do this before I'm married. But because they're not secured in Christ and they have a low self-esteem, that boundary is, is, is set aside and that person is able to come inside. You see what I'm saying? So you got to say, Holy Spirit. Help me to sustain these boundaries. Help me set these boundaries. Help me sustain these boundaries. And I do that by securing myself in Christ and knowing I do not need these people. I do not need them. So if they leave me, I'm still good. People will cause you to compromise your boundaries when they know you are not as connected to Christ as you think you are. Demons know how connected to God you are. They know just who the person to bring in your life to pressure you into a place of submission. <clears throat> submission. And then the whole mission of your life at the moment is, is, is out of commission. You see what I'm saying? So you got to get to a place where you say, yo, God, you enough for me. And it doesn't matter who comes in or who comes out of my life. I'm not going to compromise on my boundaries because I know these boundaries will benefit me later. Listen, that's a lot of people who laughed at my boundary when it came to um, purity for me, when it came to purpose for me. A lot of people laugh. But the thing is, biblical boundaries, when they're set and sustained, will always benefit you. So it doesn't matter who's compromising, who's selling, who's married now, who's getting what now. Forget those people that compromise those boundaries because now their city has been overtaken. So great question. Next question. If someone I had to cut off is going through a natural disaster where they live, should I reach out to them or just pray for them silently to not open? Don't even talk to them. Prayer. The best thing you can offer a person right now is prayer. And some of that um, you got to make sure you're not emotionally praying for that person because sometimes praying for a person like that overly emotionally emotionally will lead you to build up feelings. So the wise thing I would tell you is don't even reach out to them. God got them. They don't need you to 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 feel safe and secure because it's only because that person is a place of vulnerability. That person is a place of of need, and that person could be. Uh, in a in a moment, a brief moment of need that would deceive you into thinking that person really wants you or make you believe that you want them back. And then that person hasn't even changed their habits that caused you to break up with them in the first place. So natural disaster, they got a God that can look out for them. They got a supernatural God that will look out for them. All you can do right now is pray for them silently, but make sure you pray and keep it moving. Don't get emotional in those prayers because you, sometimes emotionally praying for people, saying the gap for certain people could build up feelings for the individual and then leading you to calling that person in the first, in, uh, call, uh, calling that person anyway. So what I would do is 
Pray when prompt. There you go. Pray when prompt. If you see, if you see something, pray, pray about it, right? But most, when it comes to your everyday life, don't think about the person. Pray for them when prompt. The Holy Spirit, if he needs you to stand the gap for them, he'll come find you. Trust me, he has a lot of other people out there possibly praying for him. And he doesn't really need you to be to get emotionally and spiritually involved with a person that's been cut off. Good questions. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well, got over a cold, little sniffle sniffles, you know what I'm saying? But I'm doing exceptionally well. Life is good, you know? I'm in a great place with God. My wife and I are great. Um, um, Just, man, this is the season with me and God, man. I, I love um, at the end of the year when God just kind of slows me down and I really get really close to him. Um, I'm, I'm close to him all the time, but I'm talking about just, just refurbishing, recalibrating, rejuvenizing. Uh, so I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Jessica Reese says, I had the first question, coach. Oh, I got you. I got you, Jessica. See, Jessica said, listen, I'm going to get my question in. My first time in the Q&A live stream with Coach Josh. What's up, legit tumble for 1414? Welcome. You got a question for me? I would love to, love to help you on your first time, fam. But thank you so much for joining. I'm glad you was able to catch one. I'm so glad. I skipped you, Jessica Reed. What you talking? Jessica, hey coach. Jessica, what, what you talking? Jessica, Jessica, what are some examples? Jessica, did I not? Hey coach, how do you set boundaries? With, oh, I said I asked you a question about the boundaries, Jessica. I ain't skipped you. Up, oh, see now you done mess me up, Jessica. Now you done mess me up. Let me scroll up. There we go. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. The truest champ. Hello, coach. Appreciate all the content. You're so welcome. But how do I turn down the "I miss you" text? Hmm. Turn it down. That's what you do. Let me give you some practical stuff. Um, what you should do is, like I tell people who I coach, is to write down a list of the pros and cons. Or oh, no, no, don't even do the pros and cons. The reasons why this shouldn't be. That's how you title it. Quotation, the reasons why this shouldn't be. And anytime you get a text message, I want you to look over those reasons of why y'all shouldn't have been. And anytime that person texts you, because your mind, when it's when if your mind is not familiar to why y'all are not together, your emotions will cloud you, your feelings will get involved. And then feelings will have you confused, fuse contradictory things, fusing itself into your mind, making you believe that there's something that's supposed to be there. So if you know a person is contacting you, you know that person ain't the one for you, write down the reasons why you shouldn't be. And before you respond to that text, realize, look at that list, and that will help you gain the faith that you need and the courage that you need to not respond to that text. It's always important to have within arm's reach on your phone, whether in your in your notes app, have it on a sheet of paper, have it in your purse, have it in your car, print it five or ten times and put it in five or ten different places where you can have it on reach to remind yourself of why things ended. So that when you see that text, you can begin to feel the feelings of that's why we wasn't supposed to be. That's my advice to you. Write down the reasons why y'all shouldn't have been. Write down the reasons why God split y'all up. Write down the reasons why why this this person will be a distraction to you. Why this person is 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 write down their character traits. I don't care if they change. If that ain't who God has for you, you got to always put on the forefront. Why God split y'all up in the first place? Why y'all shouldn't have been? So that you can move on to what you should be doing. Hope they help. Jenny says, Coach, I want to marry a foreigner. You said 
you do not believe in dating sites, but I don't know how else I can meet a foreign man. I want to love abroad and travel. God got you. You don't, God, God doesn't need a dating app to co connect you with someone uh, that you have desires to be with. Um, God can fly. Listen, listen, listen. A foreigner, a, a, a person could be a foreigner from a country uh, and God moves them the summer that y'all supposed to meet. God knows how to connect y'all. That you have to trust God with that. You have, listen, you that, putting things in your own hands proves you don't trust God. That's for everybody. When you want to do things in your own hands, solely by you, that is the fruit that you don't trust God. Now, the real question is, why don't you trust God? Many of us think that God needs assistance, that God needs our help, that God needs for us to be in these different places. No, no, no. God doesn't need our help. God doesn't, especially when it comes to marriage. He's the greatest matchmaker of all time. He know he's been matching. Listen, I want I want to make sure everyone who's listening to me will trust God enough to trust that he um um is the matchmaking champion of the universe. You know what I'm saying? Like he he knows how to make the matches in heaven, and so he doesn't need for you to build a dating site. He don't need for you to wonder. God just wants you to focus on him. So that he, and then watch, I promise you, everything will align itself in his perfect timing. The real question is you have to ask yourself, why do you, why don't you trust God in this area? Why do you feel like you have to assist God as if God needed you to create the universe? As if you, as if you, as if God needed you to create you, as if God needed you to do any God did, if God didn't need you from the beginning, he doesn't need you now. If he can create the universe before, if he can create the world before anyone was in existence, then he can create a match for you before you, he, he knows who's for you before you was even formed in your mother's womb. He knows who, he got it all lined up. He is rested. God has finished everything from, it is finished from the cross and from, from the beginning of time, it's done. Everything else is allowing time to manifest the will of God. Trust God and his plan and his purpose will manifest itself in your life. And then you will be like, wow, Coach Josh told me not to worry about this. And I married a man from this country and and God lined it up. If you put it in your hands, your hands will mess it up. You put it in God's hands, God will build it up. And I'm telling you, I'm a living witness. So I'm encouraging you not to worry about it. And I, but you, your worry is proof that your worship could be um, disaligned. You got to make sure God's number one in your heart because idolatry will make you do things that you shouldn't do. Idolatry will make you be like, I want this so bad that God is taking too long. So I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to make, I'm not talking about you, just hear my heart. I'm going to make an excuse as if, well, God, I want a foreigner and I don't know how else. God's like, who created the lands? Who created the planes? Who created the boats? Who created the submarines? God said, I can teleport you. I can get you. I can, I can make it happen for you. You just got to trust him. And God will get you traveling, but let God do it. You see what I'm saying? What if the person you have a soul tie with is a person in your church? Um, don't, don't, I don't care who you got a soul tie with. I don't care, I don't care what church you guys share. God can break that soul tie to the point where even when you see that person, there won't be no tug there now. I did about 15 or so videos online uh, on soul ties. 
I got a book called The Purpose of Freedom that will help you kind of systematically process from being distangled from a soul tie. Now, to answer your question specifically, I want to let you know those resources are there for you to really process this because it will take me two or three or four days to really process this thing in a way that will help you really birth from it. So I do have resources type in soul ties and Joshua Ezzy. You get a ton of videos. Get my book, The Purpose of Freedom on Amazon that goes more in depth on soul ties. But if I can give you the quick version, the quick answer to your question, uh, I will give you this. What if the person you have a soul tie with is a person in your church? Um, Number one, if that's the church God has you, do not allow the thought in your mind to make you think, well, I'm not going to go where God has sent me. Keep your foot planted there because God planted you there, right? If that's the church God has sent you. Number two. You got to start processing that soul tie. Who, what, when, where, how? Who is the person I'm soul tied to? What causes soul tie? Where was this soul tie caused or, con- or where were, where are the places that contributed? Who, what, when, where, who, what, when, where, how? How did this happen? Now, uh, now you got to get to the place where you begin to systematically mentally renew your mind into deepening your understanding of God's word in regards to what he says about you and how to forgive and how to let things go. Because most of the time, the reason why many of us are still so tied to individuals is number one, one or two, one A, one B. Typically, it's because we haven't forgiven ourselves. All the way down the line, there is some form of unforgiveness, resentment, idolatry, or insecurity. Forgiveness, resentment, insecurity, or idolatry. Unforgiveness, resentment, insecurity, or idolatry. Typically, those are the four things that that are causing the tie to still stay there. You got to address, what are my idols? Do I idolize the idea of this person? Have I idolized the idea of love? Have I idolized the idea of marriage? Um, well, who have I who have I not forgiven? Is it, it was did I get into the situation because I didn't forgive my dad? Did I get into the situation because I wanted to prove to somebody that I haven't forgiven myself, I haven't forgiven them? Uh, is there any resentment in my life that birthed when I was a child that opened the door for the soul tie to happen? Um, and are there some insecurities there that's causing me to be tied to a person that I see all the evidences of why I should even be with this person? Feelings must come after feelings. Facts must come before feelings. When you begin to get your mind to, through fellowship with the Holy Ghost, begin to see the facts of the situation and allow your mind to tackle itself on the facts of why you have been set free from that, why you should be set free from that emotionally, mentally, physically, etc. Then your feelings will subside and then you won't really see any kind of residual or residue or fruit from that soul tie. It takes work. It takes for you to really get into your brain and really write down everything about this relationship. The compromises you made against God's word, the the, the resentment, anything that was pre this person that contributed to this person. You got to look at the conception, the contributors and the cycles. Three C's. The conception. When was this thing conceived? What contributed to the conception and what contributed after the conception of this soul tie and what cycles am I in? If you want to break the cycles, if you want to remove, in order to um, um, break all these cycles and contributors, you got to go to when this thing was conceived. When was this thing conceived in my life? What are the things that is contributing to my mind overly indulging in this? And what cycles have it put in? All those things are broken at the feet of Christ. And the Holy Spirit will begin to point your mind to the, to the image bearer 
who is Jesus. And then you will begin to, in that process, begin to really see yourself, how God sees you, really see yourself, how you supposed to see yourself. And then you'll be able to look at that person like, there's nothing there. But a lot of resources there that will help you. Hope that helped in the meantime. Marissa says, how to get clear direction and guidance from God. I did a very powerful video where I went through a lot of points called how to hear from God. Um, it's on YouTube. Type in how to hear from God. That video goes through so many powerful points. But to help you quickly, how to get clear direction and guidance from God, you got to, number one, remove the clutter. First, number one, you got to recommit, recommit, recommit. Commitment is a very powerful word, a word that has been misused and overly hyped. I'm committed. No, nah, you're not really committed. You're partially committed. That's not, that's not, that word doesn't even make sense. Partially committed. Like, like it's like the almost like it's almost like the word almost, like almost. That doesn't even make sense, right? So you got to recommit your life, right? Once you recommit your life, what I mean by recommit your life, we're not talking about getting saved again. You see what I'm saying? I'm not talking about you lost your we just talking about recommit. Like, God, I've been committed to my own way, I've been committed to my own life. I'm gonna recommit my life to you. I'm gonna operate in the in, in reverence of you. I'm gonna practice acknowledging you all my ways so that my path can be made straight. The number one verse that I always tell people when it comes to this is Proverbs 3, I think five through seven. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your understandings in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That's important. If you want your path to be made straight, you got to trust the Lord with all your heart. You got to consult your heart right now and say, what areas in my heart, in my life, do I not trust God? In order for my paths to be made straight, in order for me to have clear direction, I have to trust the Lord. Why do I not trust God in my singleness? Why do I not trust God in, 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 in who I want to be with? Why do I not trust God with my career or my purpose? Why? Why? Why isn't my whole heart trusting him? That's the first question. If you want to get clear directions in, uh, from God and God's God, you got to trust him. Because a person who doesn't trust anybody ain't going to tune their ears to that person. You, and, if God, and why would God entrust anything into your life if he knows you don't trust him? You see what I'm saying? So you got to really ask yourself, do I trust God in every area of my life? Number two, what areas in my life am I leaning to my own understandings? What pride is in my life that's making me think that I'm smart enough to do what I need to do without God? What? Why am I leaning to my understanding? Because anything you lean on means that's your number one support. If you lean on anything else other than God, then you're telling God, I, I, I trust what you created. And there's not a brick wall out here that can hold you like God. It ain't nothing that can hold you. So you got to say, okay, do I? am I really that smart? Leaning to my own understanding. We're not that smart. People be leaning to the understanding, calculating God, like, like no, no offense to the young lady about the dating website or anybody who's, let me try to, well, God, let me try to, let me try to calculate my own life. Let me lean on to my own understanding. Okay. If I, if I want this kind of person, if I want to have this kind of job, this is what I got to do. No, 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 no. I trusting in God means I'm a trust in his leading. I'm a trust in his timing and I'm a trust him no matter what. That's important. Or if because if you don't trust God, you're going to lean into your own understandings. You're not going to acknowledge him in all your ways. And you're going to find yourself at a dead end in life. So in order to make sure that you have clear guidance from God and you are in a position, in a posture that's able to receive from him, you got to say you got to ask yourself, what areas in my life do I not fully trust God in? What 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 areas in my life am I leaning to my own understandings? Do I have a habit of acknowledging God in all my ways? Acknowledging God. Acknowledging God can be quietly and, and outwardly spoken. 
quietly means I'm just sensitive that if God tell me to go left, I go left. But if when it comes something I have to acknowledge, like actually speak out, you got to make it a habit. God, should I go here? Make it a habit. Talk to God. Even if God don't ask, just, just talk. Just say, God, should I go to this restaurant? Make it a habit to acknowledge him. Make it a habit. God, I'm open to you today. I'm open for your leading today. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. And if you have a question about something, God, you got to make it a rhythm and a habit so that you can become familiar to the voice of God. Like I said, that video is how to hear from God. It's a very powerful video. Um, That's on my um list of books that I'm going to be planning on writing soon. I don't know when that, what list of that book is, but I think a lot of people struggle with that. But it all boils down to Proverbs 3, I think 5 through 7. But you got to remove the clutter. You got to remove the clutter and you got to practice being still before God. I can go a lot. Well, let me let me make, help make you plain. How to be still. Number one, you got to uh, 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 create a place where you can go to God. Create a place where that's your meeting place with God and you don't bring no technology there. You don't bring any type of disturbance there. You go there and you just sit and think on the goodness of God. That's all I do. I sit. Sometimes I just sit and think on the goodness of God. That will then still you. Think on the goodness of God. Think on the goodness. Mm -hmm. Then the peace, because your mind is now focused on him, on what he has done good. And then you can't help but find praise come out of your mouth. And then when you, because the, when you begin to get praise out of your mouth and you begin to feel the presence of God, that presence become addictive, addicting. You don't want, you don't want to do anything to separate you from that because most of, mo, all of my, all of my good God ideas came for those specific moments with God. But for times I got to keep going, but go to that video. It'll help you. Amen. It does give true guidance when we die totally. Okay. Yeah. When you die to yourself. How to tell your dating partner that intimacy can't happen until marriage. How to lay the grounds so fornication doesn't take place. Is kissing and holding hands a sin and uh, is a sin not being married? Good question. You communicate that up front. But like I said before, you just can't set boundaries. You got to make sure you're committed to those boundaries. You got to establish the whys. Why am I setting these boundaries? And you got to begin to really feel um, uh, deeply about compromising. Like you got to be able to feel deep. Like I can't compromise this. So if anyone even makes you want to compromise, you don't even want to. So you got to be committed because a person is only going to go at the level of your commitment. A person is only going to go by your habits. If you tell a man, hey, I'm not having sex. Um, before marriage, but you sitting on his lap, kissing up on his neck, you confuse him. Many of us, we confuse our counterparts. We confuse other people because we spoke in our commitments, but our life don't match what we have spoken. So in order for you um, to keep and sustain, because a brother is only, a brother can only do but so much. If you tell a brother he's committed with you, but, 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 and he has a man got to make sure he doesn't lead you in those places, but you cannot be counterproductive. And that man has to be committed himself. He has to have a deep fear and reverence for God because you don't want to be uh, uh, connected to somebody who doesn't have who's not committed to God. You got to be connected to a person that Christ has certified to be your companion, period, because he will then see fit to grace y'all to, to be able to navigate the nuances of the relationship and to overcome the temptations. That's the first thing. Is this a Christ certified relationship? If it's not, is compromise is inevitable or, or just, just chaos, you know what I'm saying? Or, 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 or disruption. So, how to tell your dating partner intimacy can't happen until marriage. How to lay the grounds. Now, I, I'm going to say this and, and take it with caution. 
if you have to tell them, it's probably not the right one. If you have to tell them what I mean, it's nothing like if y'all like you, if, if you're dating them, then you know them. If you're dating them, then you know them. If you're asking me this question, that means I have to tell them because they're giving me signs that may, that is pressing up on that. If, if <clears throat> who, who I don't even want you to go by a person's words of commitment. I want you to go by a person's work of commitment. People can say all day they committed to God, but their works is going to let you know if they committed faith, faith with works. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about my works prove that I'm in faith with God. My works prove that I'm committed to God. And, 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 and I'm going to make sure I don't put you in no situation as a man that's going to make you weak to pray on your weak men, bring women into areas of weaknesses to satisfy their weaknesses. See what I'm saying? So if you have to ask this question, then it's probably because that person is exhibiting behavior that's coming against your boundaries. And, and if there's someone that you feel is Christ certified, um, then it's okay to have that conversation. But you really got to think twice. Hey, if there, is this, is this, did I really even talk to God about this person? It's a difference between telling God about a person and talking to God about a person. Most people, they tell God, they tell God about a person, this my boo, Tyrone, and this is what it is, God, okay? The God, this is Teresa, this is, this, I don't care what you think, this is what it is, God. No, 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 you don't go and tell God anything, you talk with, you talk to God about things. God, I like this person, what do you think, what should I do? Don't tell God anything, talk to God about everything. And, and when you talk to God about everything, you won't waste your time with people that's not according to his purpose for your life. So if you have to have this conversation, chances are that person is exhibiting habits contradictory to what you wanna hold yourself up to. Number two, you gotta make sure that you are committed to your commitment because it's, it's pointless to communicate your commitments or your boundaries if you're not committed to it because that's only gonna confuse them. And when you're kissing up on them or doing all the different things, it's confusing the person. Now, when it comes to kissing and holding hands, um, I'm not gonna act like uh, that I didn't do that with my wife, but I, we were virgins, but I'm not gonna make no excuses for that because I noticed that even when those things was happening, we wasn't as, how can I put it? Like nothing bad happened because we didn't have no sex. We didn't really go far at all. But what I'm talking about, like kissing, I, that's a tough one because I coach, you know what I'm saying? Um, but to I, now that I'm married, I can now give you advice from hindsight being 2020. I would just do my best to not be alone point blank period. Do your best not to be alone. If you got to be alone, be alone in public, drive separate cars, do what you got to do because not everybody can handle what me and my wife handle. That's why I don't want to put that out there because not everybody can handle themselves. Not everybody has self-control. There are certain things that you're going to trigger yourself, trigger that individual and y'all both mess up. I just think it's best to stay away from it. Just from experience, I just think it's best to just Stay away from it and stay pure because, because not everybody can handle a kiss on a cheek. Not everybody can handle holding hands. Not everybody can handle being in the same car. See, that's it's deeper than just kissing and holding hands. Some people can't even handle being uh, being in a in a movie theater with a person. So you got to be able to know what you can handle, what can I handle, and the layers of it. And making sure just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. That's the wisdom I want to give you. So just because me and my wife was able to handle it doesn't mean that we should have did it. Doesn't mean that if I had did it over again, I would do the same way. No, I would have led differently. That's on me. You see what I'm saying? So, so my advice to you is know what you can handle. We're not talking about kissing and humping and holding hands. We're talking about, do you know, can you handle, um, uh, what can you handle? And that will determine the accountability you need to make sure that y'all are handled with care. But there's no need to waste your time with a person that is not Christ certified for you.
Hope they help. So to answer your question plainly, have the conversation immediately. And don't listen to his, don't listen to his words, listen to his works. Let your ears be tuned in, your eyes to be tuned in in his actions, not his words, and vice versa for the fellas. I've been going 40 minutes, so I got time for maybe a couple more, and I'm done. Harriet says, please pray for me. My ex-boyfriend of 10 years got married to another woman and seems like a different person. I am devastated. How can God do this? Um, don't, don't, I don't want you to get into a place where you blame God um, because we don't even know if the relationship's going to last. We don't even know if God endorsed it. And even if God endorsed it, that doesn't mean that God don't have someone for you. So I believe that God can set you free. Now you have to really process those emotions and really begin to think on why do I have, why do I still have such strong feelings for this young man? Uh, and if, if that person is a different person, then that person was just playing games with you or he possibly is playing games with the other person. So just because that person is, uh, uh, um, is with somebody else doesn't determine your value. Do not do not allow the actions of someone else to cause you to feel devastated. Devastated means there was some level of dependency. Devastation means there was some level of idolatry. Devastation means there was a uh, uh, um 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 something there, and you got to address that in your own personal life. God didn't do this. This was your actions. You see what I'm saying? God didn't do this. God, we, we, how do we know what God is doing? So what I don't want you to do is allow the enemy to cause you to be upset with God. And God's like, no, you did this. Y'all did this. So now instead of blaming God, like Adam did blamed Eve and like Eve blamed the serpent, you got to look in the mirror and say, what part did I have to blame? But the good thing is the same God that the, the, the fact what can overcome you being in shame of the blame because God ain't going to blame you. But what I want, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to look in that mirror and be honest and be like, yo, I made this decision. I did this, but because God took my shame on a cross for me through Jesus, I know for a fact that I can be redeemed for this. And even though this may feel uh, I may feel devastated, even though I may feel depressed, even though I may feel mad at God, I know God ain't fault because God didn't probably didn't tell you to get in a relationship. God probably didn't even make this relationship happen between y'all two. God probably didn't even put them two together. So don't worry about that. You got to look at yourself and be like, I must heal now because now you're going to be in this never ending cycle of looking at his Instagram page. And when he has kids, you're going to be like, that was how our kids were supposed to be. No, no you got to deal with that stuff right now. Period. You got to look in that mirror and say, hey, this is what I contribute. Father, I repent for this. Renew my mind in this and, and get stronger. Listen, I can easily I can pray for you, which I will. But but I can't I, I don't want you to be crippled. And I don't want the enemy to, to make you believe that this was God's fault. There has to be accountability. And we got to take ownership for the things that we did by not listening or seeking God, period. Then that's what's going to help us. Uh, um, take accountability going forward, holding ourselves accountable going forward. Because if we make it a habit blaming God, if we make it a habit blaming somebody else, if we make that a habit, we'll never become free. So that's what I don't want for you, Harry. I want you to be free. I don't care how long it's been 10. If the man is switched up on you and, and uh, changing personalities, praise God that God saved you. Praise God that you don't got no babies by the man. Praise God that that man is out your life setting you up to be healed and, 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 and delivered and to be the woman that you need to be for the person that God does have for you. So my ex-boyfriend of 10 years got married to another woman. So that's her problem now. 
and seem like a different person. Seem, 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 seem. You gotta. I don't even. I don't even want to say the next sentence because I don't even want you to try to find out. He seems different, man. Seem is a dangerous word. What did what did you see? <laughs> Forget seem. What did what did you see when he was in your life? Chances are, there's enough evidence there to let you know that. Thank God that y'all wasn't supposed to be. And, and and now it's time to work on your life and heal up. And the purpose of freedom will be a good book for you on soul ties. Type in soul ties Joshua Ezzy and you'll find a lot of videos. But don't be devastated. Now you got to recalibrate and rechannel your devotion back to God and be honest with God. It's okay to be mad at God. Be honest. Tell God I'm mad at you. But then God's going to be like mad at me for what? <laughs> but vent. Get it out your system. Vent. Vent. But make sure that you was the one that went in that direction. And then God will 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 um will heal your heart. God will forgive you in that area. God will then help you to forgive in the other areas you need to forgive. And then you will flourish as an individual as God has called you to be. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Harriet right now that your peace will surpass all understanding. I pray, Father, that the words that I spoke over her was aligned and what the purpose that you have for it. I pray that it brought change and conviction and it will help her really see how she can grow from this and how you can turn around, turn this whole situation around for a good, helping her to see her insecurities or idolatries or whatever that may be there that's causing such devastation. God, no, your blessings as no sorrow. If there's sorrow, we tried to be, we tried to bless ourselves. So Father, I thank you Lord for keeping her and sustaining her and everyone that may be struggling in this area as well. Just let me pray. Amen. So if I came, please forgive me if I came off harsh. I just don't, I, I just don't, I don't, uh, I just don't want you to be crippled and, 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 or be set up for the demonic attack and making you believe that God was at fault and God wasn't. Season of Destiny says, how do you know if a guy likes you, especially a Christian man and the signs that he's playing games during cuffing season? If he, if he, if you saw him all through summer and spring and now he's looking at your life, real way, don't give him, don't pay him no attention. If this man was around you and saw you all spring and summer and is now wanting to talk to you, don't pay him no attention, period. Christian men are, are sometimes worse than guys out there in the world. Trust me. You see what I'm saying? Christian men. We're talking about with the quotation, the air quotes, right? So, so just because a man is in the church, just because that man is a Christian man don't mean that he's a follower, a disciple. The Bible says those who continue in my word will be proven to be my disciples indeed. See what I'm saying? Indeed, meaning for real, for real, and in deeds, in action. See what I'm saying? When you continue in God's word, you will be proven as a discipleship of indeed, like you are factually, factually, factually a follower of Jesus, and it will be evident in the fruits of your deeds. Okay? So, if it's cuffing season, this man saw you all spring and summer, and now he wants to look your way, don't waste your time with the individual. But the beautiful thing about anything, and the beautiful thing about all nuances of our lives is the Holy Spirit will let you know. All you got to do is say, God, what's up with this individual? And trust in the Holy Spirit, and you'll be good from there. Off topic, but blasphemous thoughts. Are you talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? Uh, blasphemous thoughts. Thoughts may come unaware, but thinking is a choice. Having a thought is not the sin. Thinking on the thought is the sin. See what I'm saying? Thinking means you you feel there is some validity to that thought. So if you got a blasphemous thought, you got to cast down those vain imaginations. I think it's in 1 Corinthians. Look up Google uh, how to cast down vain imagination. That scripture will pop up. It's in Corinthians for sure. 
And you will begin to understand that you will be able to understand the things of God, because the more you understand the things of God and you hide the word of God in your heart and you allow your mind to marinate in the word, you will know what thoughts to cast down and how to kick them out. The best way is, is this thought benefiting my life? Is this thought uh, damaging my life? Is this thought from God? Is this thought from me? Is this thought from the devil? Then when you begin to really practice mentally processing how you think and what, you, what the thoughts in your life, then you won't give thinking power to a thought that's blasphemous. I'm writing a book on the mind right now. It's 97%, 98% done. Working on some things right now to get that book out as soon as possible. But um, you'll be seeing more resources and, and topics along those lines because a lot of people, God has been telling me, struggling with their mind. And, uh, and that's where he wanted me to help. Last question. I'm done. I'm a 25 year old virgin. I get pressured by members, co-workers to find a boyfriend and telling me that I need to start going out and that my man won't show up at my window. How do I deal with that? Pressure is based upon your disposition. Pressure is going to come, but when I've been in the presence of God, what's pressure? Whew. If I'm familiar with the presence of God, what's pressure? Because I know it's in his presence where there's a fullness of joy and joy of the Lord is my strength. So what's pressure? I'm strengthening God. So what's pressure? I'm strong in him. So what's pressure? You see what I'm saying? So when you, people have been talking about me my whole life before I got married, talking about I was gay, talking about all these different things, why you not having sex and their lives are jacked up now. You see what I'm saying? So, so I'm glad that I withstand it. There was periods where it was tough, but hindsight being 2020, when I really immersed myself in the presence of God and that, that became my joy and that became my most frequent place of all places I frequented, then it, it, I looked at the people that was doing pressure me as stupid. Y'all the ones dumb. Listen, because God knows where I'm at. God, God, God ain't gonna bring them to your window because that's too much. But God will bring them to you know, God will bring them into a place where you guys will meet. So, <clears throat> how to handle that pressure? Number one is to um, frequent the presence of God. Understand who you are as a person and your purpose. Be productive in your purpose because that's gonna that's gonna take away all the idle time. Be productive in your purpose, and 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 set reminders. Of, of why you're pursuing this direction in God. That's what's going to help you. People don't know what they're talking about. People be saying some dumb stuff and they think it's advice. Nah, man. So you so how you deal with that is making sure your mind is strengthened enough, strong enough on key points. Number one, God has your man out there. God will bring that man to you. God will orchestrate it all. I'm a living witness. When I look back at how I met my wife and how we and where we are today, it's all miracles. It's all strategy. It's all strategic. I'm like, wow. Even when I did stupid stuff, even when we did stupid stuff, even when we got like nothing, nothing messed it up. We got together. <laughs> we end up married. It don't matter what happened. We together. So, 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 but we let God do it in spite of us. God still did it. So everything from the day we met until the day I see her when she comes home. Listen, it's all a miracle. It's all a blessing. And that's why I'm letting everybody know God will do it. But God only does it for people that allows him to do it. The rest of them people out there, <clears throat> but Josh, there's not a lot of men out here. But Josh, how do I know? Listen, do you know how many people are not doing it God's way? God is 10 for 10 for every person who lets him do what he does. God 
is 100%, has 100% came through for everybody to let him do what he does best, period. If you let God do it, you'll get that husband. If you let God do it, you get the wife because 98% of the people out there ain't trusting God. So all the people that's trusting God, God will put them together because God saw this before he even uttered the words, let there be light, all these different things that's going to be coming, going on in life. So don't worry about it. God already got your man. God, God already got, got your woman for those men out there. God got you. You got to trust him. I'm a living witness. This ain't no, yeah, and I did this and God had to redeem us because I did this outside the will of God. No, everything happened perfectly. And every day is a confirmation of us being together. Either you trust him or you don't. Either you're going to let God be God or you're going to try to be the God of your life. You're going to find your world unsustained. Congratulations. Keep yourself. Don't not allow these people who only want you to plummet down to their level so they can have a pity party and a party of conformity because they, they hate. Some people can't stomach that you're doing it right. Some people are only saying those things to hope you do it wrong so they don't have no standard in front of them to remind them of how they jacked up their own life or could be jacking up their life. That's people for you. People, you thinking they're giving you good advice. You thinking people are talking nice to you. No, they're only talking that way to get you to come down to their dumb level so they can have, so they won't have no sight of God standing before them. That's why the world hates those people who really follow God. They don't want to see the godly standard. They don't want to see godly marriage. They don't want to see godly sin. They don't want to see godly entrepreneurs and godly businesswomen. They don't want to see it because they see it when they see the standard of God, they reject it. That's why they killed Jesus because they couldn't they couldn't <clears throat> stomach the standard. But, oh, they thought they killed some a man just to kill a man. No, they killed the son of God who was able to have power to raise himself up. And the same God, the same spirit that raised Christ from dead dwells inside of you. So be the standard. People are trying to talk you down to their standard so they can no longer see the standard because seeing the standard brings deep conviction, brings resentment and hurt in their lives. And most people don't want to see it. Hope y'all been blessed. <clears throat> Got to go. <clears throat> this video will post again. So if you ask your question, you'll be able to go back to the answer. And for those I didn't get a chance to get to, I'm so sorry. It's a lot of questions too. Wow. But I do go back through these questions. Um, Oh, he's Nigerian, Harriet. Um, oh, he's Nigerian. Man, listen, I'm Nigerian too. I know how Nigerians can be. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You good. You probably had wives in Nigeria anyway. So don't worry about it. <laughs> y'all so welcome. Y'all so y'all so welcome. Hope this helped. Hope this helped. I gotta go, y'all. Wife coming home soon. Gotta welcome her with open arms. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Website IamUnplugged.com. Um, for all my resources, books, card games, courses, uh, supporting our mentoring program. If you want to support us financially, um, I'm thinking about doing a Patreon to kind of, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but I know God provides. But if you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to help us, feel free to do so. Uh, I don't like I don't like pressuring people about that stuff, but or speaking on it. But um, books, card games, resource, all that stuff's available. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Um, make sure you check out the new, the newest good guys podcast. On the Good Guys podcast, and we talked about we talking about impatience. Impatience is a very powerful podcast between my with my brother, me, my brother Brandon Dixon, and myself. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.